Thanks for tuning in to this episode. BBB presents Workforce Ready, featuring Matt Mooney, Vice President and General Manager of Workforce Connection at Cincinnati Works. BBB's Sarah Kemmerer talks with Matt about poverty and employment in Cincinnati and the success of workforce coaching. Hello and welcome back. Today I'm joined by Matt Mooney, the Vice President and General Manager of Workforce Connection at Cincinnati Works. Matt has been with Cincinnati Works for two years, and I'm excited to learn how they are alleviating poverty through employment in Cincinnati. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. So before we dive into learning about the awesome programs Cincinnati Works has to offer, I wanted to start something new. At the beginning of each episode, I will be asking each guest what their favorite small business is in the tri-state. Matt, can you be the first one I ask? Yeah, wow, I didn't realize I was gonna be the first. That's great. Um, Well, yeah, I have a pretty easy answer because we have a small business in my household. Um, my wife is the founder of uh, Trellix Consulting, which is uh, an organization that helps small and medium-sized businesses um, put uh, apply practices around strategy and marketing. So, honey, if you're listening, I hope I didn't butcher that too much. But Perfect shameless plug. Yeah. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> and if it's outside the house, I would say, you know, the way to my heart is through my stomach. And so Mazunte is definitely um, one of my favorites in the city. I, I live right down the street from Mazunte, and oh. there is not a better fried fish taco in the tri-state than at Mazunte. <laughs> or the guacamole. So another shameless plug. Um, I guess we can go ahead and dive into it. Something yeah. that a lot of people don't know about BBB is that we also accredit charities And it's a completely separate process from the accreditation process for businesses. So you all have been a charity seal holder since 2000, and you're actually celebrating your 25th year anniversary. So congratulations. So can can you talk about Cincinnati Works and the work that you do with workforce coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, you know, you, you, kind of got us run our silver anniversary, 25th years. We, uh, we've been around for a little while now. Um, we're a workforce development nonprofit, which means that we're really focused on how we help um, people get to work, how we help people stay at work and, and be productive in the community and, and partnering with a lot of employers in the community to do that. Um, you know, our mission uh, is pretty simple. We have a goal to eliminate poverty through employment. Uh, And that's because we really believe that employment is an essential ingredient if someone is going to be self-sufficient and and stand on their own. So, you know, if you're looking for um, an easy metaphor to think of, you know, it's it's the classic, we're teaching people to fish, right? Instead of giving a people a fish, we're trying to teach them to fish. And that's both for being able to find and keep a job. Um, Sometimes keeping a job is even harder than finding it. And to help the people we're serving manage all the life issues that get in the way of stable work. Yeah, and I feel like not every situation is the same. Oh, for sure not. And and that's really a big part of our service is that we are uh, we tailor our services to the individual. It's it's a really high touch surface uh, service that is focused on uh, individualizing the the solutions that people need simply because. You know, every person is bringing different things to the table, um, has different issues that they're facing, and, you know, to really be able to move the needle for someone and and make progress, you have to do it at the individual level. Yeah, and also, like, everyone has a different skill set and industry that they're interested in, where they see themselves going in their career. Everyone is at a different place. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing is, you know, our members choose where they want to work, right? We have our employer partnerships. Um, you know, we are able to kind of bring a lot of opportunities to the table, but, you know, we often view our members as, as a good gauge for labor markets and, and how things are moving, you know, kind of in aggregate because, you know, we have and, and can look at and see how our members are, are looking at different job opportunities and, you know, what is kind of happening in their lives that, that you know, makes a difference in where they apply and, and choose to work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So when I think of workforce readiness, I, and you've talked about this a little bit, but you all help people get jobs. And that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now. So what differentiates you from a regular workforce readiness organization that just helps people get jobs? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I talk about that I think make Cincinnati Works different. And the first one that, that I always say is our long-term focus. And what I mean by that is, you know, we don't really have a graduation point for our, our program. And, and that is really intentional. And we call the, the people and the clients we serve members very intentionally as well, because we consider them to be members for life. And we know that a person's journey from when they actually are looking for a job, to find a job, to keep a job, it can be full of a lot of ups and downs along the way. And it doesn't end with someone getting placed at a job. Often keeping a job is even harder than finding one. And so we really have the goal and the intention to be with our members through their journey. We wanna walk along it with them through the ups and the downs and help them get to to more highs than lows. Um, You know, if you extend out the, the teaching someone to fish metaphor a bit, you know, sometimes the pole breaks when you're fishing and you've got to go find another one or there's a hole in the boat and, uh, and you might not know where to go get it fixed. And so those are all the kinds of things that we help our members work through uh, as part of that teaching them to fish, not just once, but to be able to do it on an ongoing basis. So that's the one thing is, is our long-term focus. Um, the second thing I tell uh, people that's different about us is that we really have a two customer approach. So certainly we're there to serve our members, but we also are there. We consider employers um, really a second customer. And the reason for that is because our members are more successful when we are working with employers that are really bought into what we're trying to do. They understand that long-term focus and they're willing to work with us to help people be successful in the long term. Uh, And then the third thing I tell people is that we have a culture of results and innovation. Uh, You know, we're not just here to keep doing the same things that we've been doing for 25 years. We're really trying to figure out what works and to pivot quickly because, you know, our members don't have time to waste. Our employers don't have time to waste. So we try really try and do that quickly. Um, And I think a great example of that innovation uh, is the social enterprise that we've developed at Cincinnati Works. Uh, that we call workforce coaching, uh, which is where we actually take and bring all of our individualized support services, financial coaching, career development. We bring all of that to employers to work with their entire frontline workforce. So you can kind of think of it as like teaching to fish at the workplace, um, which is really a win-win for both businesses and their people because this is helping employees eliminate the personal issues that cause things like absenteeism and turnover and things that just drag businesses down. Um, We've got about a dozen employers that we're working with now and some really great household names like Graders and Gorilla Glue and Christ Hospital and DHL. So 
we're, we're really excited about that. You bring up such a good point because in my mind, I think of, oh, well, like an example I have is, well, let's say your child is sick. Do you, and you work like an hourly job, so you can't take PTO. Do you stay home with your sick kid? Do you send them off to school and potentially risk other kids getting sick? Do you, how do you communicate with your boss at work? There's just so many different scenarios that people can go through. And again, like no scenario is the same. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, you know, it's, it's just as simple sometimes as having a plan for what to do. Right. And, and a lot of the people that we work with, you know, are, are just, you know, in, in living on the thin margins that they are, it's really kind of a day-to-day existence and the whole concept of planning, you know, doesn't always come into play. And so that is one of the many things that we try and, and help our members work on is let's build a plan. If you've got kids, you know, you've got to have those contingency things in place. Um, you can't, you know, burn through your PTO if you have it. You need to be able to save it for emergencies like this. Um, you know, really just those kind of thinking ahead types of things and shifting those mentalities. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to my next, um, like, topic I wanted to talk about. And I think, I know a lot of people are tired of talking about 2020, totally get it. But there have been a, there has been a lot of conversation about what it means to be an essential worker versus, like, working from home as a professional um, in this past year. So in your opinion, how has workforce changed since 2020? So when you talk about essential workers, I mean, you know, I think what, what we see and what's changed is that the personal needs are now crashing into the workplace even more than they were pre-pandemic. I mean, I am not a person that really subscribes to like the separation of work and life, right? It's, it's life and work is a part of that you know, work-life integration. And I think what, you know, just as you talked about the types of things like childcare and people who needed to be on site, right? People who didn't have the option to work from home, um, childcare, all of that stuff, you know, thinking about personal health and, and who was, uh, you know, who had a, a vulnerability, right, to, to COVID. Um, you know, it just created this, this all of these things came crashing into the workplace uh, at once and, and businesses and and essential workers trying to figure out what it meant and, and still what it means. Um, and one of the big impacts we've seen on that is that it has created a huge mental health need that employees are, are feeling more stressed than ever before, especially again, the essential workers who, you know, have that pressure to be there and to be on site. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of that, I think is something that has actually changed uh, that that really rise in that need of mental health, but you know it's something that isn't necessarily changed for those workers, but I think has changed in the broader context is a greater awareness of how tenuous that daily life can be for essential workers and and what those struggles really look like. You know, we've always kind of talked about that as you know the plight of the working poor. Um, you know, when when we talk about poverty, you know. Um, folks from the upper and middle class tend to think of well, poverty, you think about people who are unemployed and, and looking for work. But what our research found is that it's actually more than half of people who are living in poverty already have at least one job, which is really kind of a staggering statistic. So you really are talking about people that are, are living on the edge, living paycheck to paycheck, and just don't have the supports that a lot of professionals take for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, stuff like this, is exactly why we started this workforce coaching service. 
because it's meant to help employees stabilize, to help them deal with and and cope with the mental health stresses and, and every and anxieties and everything that comes with it so that they can actually still advance and thrive in the workplace. Okay, I didn't know that. I like that you brought up this, the statistic that people think of like poverty and unemployment as they go hand in hand, but more, you said more than half of people who are in poverty already have a job. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. Well, and like it off is. the top of my head, you know, I, I've been personally trying to change my, 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 my personal mindset where I see someone smoking in between jobs and I think, oh, like, you know, that's not great for you. What are you doing? But chances are that's their coping because they're probably stressed. They have something going on in their personal life where that is their escape and that's their, that's how they handle their mental health. Um, and that's something that the majority of these like air quote professionals don't really have to go through. Yeah. And, and everybody's got their stresses at work, but, you know, I think again, that, that the last 15 months or so have really just shown a light on, on how stretched and how thin people are. And, and you've seen mm-hmm. some cool things, you know, where people are trying to figure out how to help and, and, you know, to thank them for, for what they're doing and to empathize with them. But, you know, it doesn't change at the end of the day that they are a lot of essential frontline workers still are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people nowadays, and it's kind of like a positive shift, I would say, with education is that people are starting, more more people, students, they're starting to take workforce readiness programs, whether that's learning how to write a cover letter, interview, how to dress at work, um, the ethics behind having a job, going to work, staying at a job. And, you know, lesson one in many of these workforce readiness programs is learning the difference between soft skills and hard skills. So in your opinion, which one is more important in the long run? Well, I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say, you know, well, both are important, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, I I think that soft skills often get a bad rap. Uh, I think that people see these as as things that people should already know. Um, That's a comment I hear a lot is, you know, well, why don't people just, you know, why don't they know these things um, coming off the bat? Um, and it doesn't change the fact that, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not a sociologist, you know, some of those things just aren't necessarily mm-hmm. passed down and learned. Um, I would tell you, I think that's a result of a tangible result of generational poverty. Um, but I think when you, when you actually get into to soft skills, uh, you know, I, I view that as they're important because they can be the difference between getting a job interview, which is something that you can put on a resume, right, that can get you the interview versus getting a job offer, right, actually being able to land the job. And then beyond that, not just being able to land the job, but also the difference between being able to land a job and being able to keep a job, right? You know, we, we hear all the time about people that are fired and lose their jobs because they don't call into work when they need to take time off or they don't know how to have a constructive conflict conversation with a supervisor or with a coworker or peer. Um, They have, you know, behavioral management. There are these unknown rules of the workplace, right? The the hidden rules of the workplace, right? All of that stuff, which kind of folds into these soft skills um, that that really are just crucially important to people's long-term success. Um, and it's, it's been interesting in, in talking with a lot of employers the last couple of years that they will tell me, I just need someone who
who can show up on time and be a team player. I will teach them the hard skills, uh, which I mean, to me is, is just fascinating and is, is telling of just how much of a shortage in the labor market there is of these soft skills. Um, now, now, of course, hard skills are absolutely important and where they become even more important is when you are trying to get beyond that, all right, I've been able to get and keep a job, but now I actually want to advance. I need to get to a point where I can reach and, and set and meet some goals, some personal goals. It's not just about being able to get by in the day to day, but I really want to ad advance and climb that economic ladder of, of self-sufficiency and mm -hmm. economic mobility. Yeah. So earlier, and you talked about this a little bit just now, but you talked about having your Cincinnati Works, you have two customers, you have mm -hmm. job seekers and you have employers. And that's right at the top of the, um, the homepage on Cincinnati Works website. Yes. Um, so we've talked about job seekers so far, and you just started talking about employers. What is some key pieces of advice that you give your employers as they start partnerships with you? Yeah, there's really two pieces. And, and then right now it's, it's a lot in context with what the labor market looks like. So there's a lot of discussion and reaction right now about the, the number of job openings that there are and the difficulties that employers are having to keep uh, filling jobs. But what I tell employers is that first, you need to focus on keeping the people who you have because what's worse than having a bunch of job openings today is having more job openings tomorrow than you had today. So first, figure out how to keep the people who you have Right. And, and that's, again, a lot where this what the workforce coaching service is all designed to do is to help employers keep and retain their people to help them be productive, um, really just centered on the belief that when employees thrive, your business thrives, that 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 is that there is a direct causation there when people are bringing their best selves to work, it's going to show up in terms of business results. Um, and, and we know that just in general frontline essential workers are not thriving right now and, and they need help through a lot of these personal things. Um, so that's one, you know, is focus on, on keeping the people who you already have. And the second part then is, okay, so when you do that, what do you need to do to fill these job openings? And, you know, I, I think in this market, you have to be innovative in recruiting and you have, that means it's challenging established norms. So, you know, you look recently, you know, uh, I think it was a week or two ago where Amazon announced that, you know, THC was no longer going to be a disqualifier. You know, if, you, if you're smoking marijuana, that is not necessarily an automatic disqualifier if you test positive for that. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about that issue, uh, you know, that is a reality right now is that many people, you talked about coping mechanisms, is that for a lot of people, that is a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a business, you kind of have to decide how much does that matter to me? You know, is that something that, that is important? And I mm -hmm. think that that is going to have a ripple effect, uh, you know, through a number of, of industries that is not just going to be specific to warehouse. Uh, and I think it's and not just to, to harp on that, but, you know, you look also at, at criminal records, right? That, that's been. Uh, that's been a practice that over the last, I would say, five to 10 years has really been evolving, where employers have become much more flexible about criminal records and taking a look at, are we unnecessarily excluding people from our workforce that, that could do the job for us? Um, and I think a lot of our work 
um, has proven out that it is absolutely true that just because you made a mistake years ago, you know, that really should not exclude you from, from job opportunities. Right now, it's about trying to figure out how you can expand your pool as much as possible in a way that still lets you get business done. Obviously, you know, not everything, not every policy and practice is going to be right for every employer, but I think employers need to take a really hard look at and challenge existing practices of what do we really need? What could work here? Yeah, and that's, that's how you stay relevant mm-hmm. going forward. That's how you get people to want to work for you. Exactly. So once these employers, and you said you have around like 10 or 11 um, really great employers that you work with. So once employers start working with Cincinnati Works, I'm sure they want to continue the relationship um, and seeing how awesome of the programs that you offer. What are some ways that these partnerships can grow with Cincinnati Works? Yeah, so we are really building our employer services uh, really as uh, as a group of services that can it can be a platform uh, for frontline workforce. Um, we think that that's really an underserved need right now, um, that there are not many professional services out there that focus on that, and that by focusing on frontline workforce, uh, you know, we really can help employers move the needle on productivity and enhancing their business. Again, that same theory of when employees thrive, your business thrives. Um, And we have three main services for employers. So um, the one you mentioned where we're working with about a dozen employers uh, is the workforce coaching service um, where we embed our our wraparound supports um, and advancement development, career development uh, embedded at your workplace for for all your employees. So that's, that's one. The second service uh, is our hiring partnerships. And this is the bread and butter that we've been doing for 25 years. Uh, We actually have a couple dozen employers that we work with on that, um, where we're helping to match job opportunities with with our job seekers and and where they're interested to go. Um, And then the third service uh, is a program that we call Beacon of Hope. And that is a program that started at Nehemiah Manufacturing and is really all about helping other businesses figure out how they can move along the journey to hire more people that have criminal records. So specifically, how can they move from, from you're not hiring anyone today, but you want to do that, you know, what do you need to do? If you want to do more, how can you do that better, right? Or if you want to be a community leader on that front, right? If you want to be leading that, that charge, what are the steps you need to take? Um, and then, you know, with some employers, we have even done some advisory work on frontline work. Um, a couple projects. So, you know, after 25 years of of doing this work, working with with our members, you know, we know this demographic really well. We know what works and and what doesn't. And we love to be able to share that with employers who are are open to to new ideas. So going back to how we talked about poverty in Cincinnati, we talked about a few misconceptions, but I feel like there are so many more misconceptions when it comes to poverty especially when it comes to handling money. So what is something that you want people to know about the connection between unemployment and poverty? Yeah, well, we kind of touched on it before where we said, you know, poverty is not just about unemployment, right? You, a lot of people, more than half of people are living in poverty that already have a job. But the other thing that I really try and encourage people to, to think about is to seek to understand what I call a a scarcity mindset. 
And what I mean by that is for the individuals that, that we work with, the people that we work with and, and their families, you know, they're really trying to do at the end of the day, what is best for themselves and for their families with very few resources, right? Or with very limited or scarce resources. And when you think about a scarcity mindset, uh, that can lead to behaviors that can be sometimes confusing for people that come from a middle or an upper class background. And so you, you referenced finances, so, so let's use that. And let's take this specific example, I think that I, I hear quite a bit, which is around, let's say we're talking about someone that, that is an essential worker on a, on a frontline job that, that has a family that is really working paycheck to paycheck, trying to make ends meet, and they get a bonus check. And I think someone that comes from an upper middle class background would say, okay, well, looking at that situation, this person should be paying down debt or putting the rest of it into their savings account, right? That's probably what I would have said. Um, and maybe spend a little bit of it, you know, on yourself. But what the behavior sometimes shows up as is that the, the way in which that is done is often very disproportionate, right? Where a lot of it is spent on self or family kind of an, an in the moment purchase or splurge, right? And very little goes to savings or to, you know, debt reduction. And, and I think there's often a, a judgment on that of like, well, that's just an extremely poor decision. But I think when you look at that through the lens of a scarcity mindset, and you understand that this person, this, this worker may have spent, been working overtime and may have burned up a lot of relationship capital with his family trying to get to this point and hasn't been able to do something for himself or for his family for months or for years. And now this bonus check comes along, you know, which maybe is more money at once than, than he's seen before in a single check or she has seen before in a single check. And with a scarcity mindset, you don't know when that opportunity is gonna come around again. And so when you don't have that certainty, right? You wanna be able to do something in the moment for yourself and for the people you love. So you can get a break, right? It is kind of like the, the coping thing you talked about before. I just, I wanna feel good for a short point in time, I mm -hmm. want to do something nice, buy something nice for my kids, my family, and that might blow through half or more of that bonus check. Yeah. And so, you know, that's just the kind of thing I, I encourage people to to really, the lens to look at, at this through is, is that scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And just remembering that everybody comes from a different background. I, I don't think that two people would spend that money the same way. No, no, probably not. Probably not, but we do, you know, we see trends like that with, with the folks that, that we work with. And, and that's part of what our financial coaching is about as well is, you know, part of where we think we can really help is, is not to tell people how to spend their money, but to give them some considerations to say, okay, well, maybe, you know, still do a big thing for yourself, but, you know, maybe just slightly less than you had in mind and use the difference to pay down some of that debt. Because when you don't have the debt, you might be able to do something more for your family sooner, right? So trying to get beyond that kind of momentary thinking um, and to realize what the benefits of, of that kind of, you know, action with, with their money can be. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I know I learned a lot and I'm excited for listeners to also learn more about Cincinnati Works. So where can people find find you and find Cincinnati Works? Well, if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn <laughs> um, or come visit me downtown at our office on Walnut Street. We're at 708 Walnut. We're just north of the Jeff Rubies, and we have a beautiful new office renovation that we completed that we're really excited to show off. So you'll see a big sign out front that says Cincinnati Works, and we'd love to come see you and talk to you. Fantastic. And is there like a website that people can like inquire yes. on or follow on social media? Yes. Uh, you can search for us on uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, or LinkedIn, Cincinnati Works, or just go to www.cincinnatiworks.org. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me, Sarah. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm Sarah Kemmer with your Local Better Business Bureau, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.